One of the ideas was to have a place where people could come and uh, maybe bring their uh, classes from different schools in the district and uh, have the students get engaged in uh, technology experiences. On Friday, November 6th, we'll celebrate another chapter in the story that is the Block 22 project in downtown Pittsburgh as we officially open the Pitsco Idea Shop. This space, located within the foundry, is a celebration of the power of ideas, but also the power of partnership, as you'll hear about on this episode. Yeah, and so today um, we had a great conversation with uh, the founder and CEO of Pitsco Education, Harvey Dean, as well as the Vice President for Education for Pitsco, uh, Matt Frankenberry. And I think that we, this is a partnership that really uh, exemplifies the sort of things uh, that can happen when you have the right, the right folks at the table and willing to advance uh, this community. And I think uh, we're so excited about the launch of the idea shop. Obviously, this is, Brad, as you mentioned, it's the last piece of the foundry uh, block 22 to launch. Excited to get that up and running. We've been delayed because of the pandemic, uh, but uh, we're, we're finally to a place where we can get it launched. And as you said, do it in a safe manner, but, uh, but we'll actually get it off the ground. And so very excited about that. Uh, and so we had this great conversation with Harvey and Matt and not just about the idea shop, but about the power of ideas, uh, the role of entrepreneurs in advancing the, the community as well as addressing significant challenges in, in, in society uh, and uh, in fact, uh, even with regard to the power of ideas, Harvey sharing uh, one idea uh, that changed uh, the trajectory for, for Pitsco and for, for his life and, and the impact on this community. So I thought it was a, a great conversation. It really, uh, I think it really exemplifies what can be done uh, through unique partnerships. Yeah, and this little added treat in this episode is that Sean is going to play the role of both uh, both host and guest on the show because uh, in his role at Pitt State, he played a pivotal role and continues to play a pivotal role in getting Block 22 uh, going. Uh, and of course, he, his ability to engage and make these really important partnerships has led to a lot of, of amazing advancements in additions to our campus here at Pitt State, but also just in the community. So we definitely wanted to make sure he provides his input and his uh, perspective on the idea shop and the role that the university played in, in getting so much of what's happened in town um, off the ground uh, in, in direct partnership with the city and with our local businesses. So Sean's going to host a little bit and be a guest a little bit. So we're excited about that. Yes, it's a a little bit strange wearing these many hats, I guess, in one episode. But uh, uh, so with that, let's go around the block with Harvey Dean, Matt Frankenberry, and me. by saying thank you guys for joining us thank you for being a part of this podcast um i think it'd be a good opportunity to start would be to or a good place to start would be to give you guys the opportunity to kind of explain what the pitsco idea shop is for people who who may not know like what it what is this thing downtown 
Well, I, I can speak a little bit to that to start with, because uh, the idea that Dr. Scott came to me with was we're going to have this space uh, between these uh, facilities, uh, meaning the coffee shop and also potentially, you know, and the, and the, the high rise process over the bank. <clears throat> and so we're going to have this space between those two. And one of the ideas was to have a place where people could come and uh, maybe bring their uh, classes from different schools in the district and uh, have the students get engaged in uh, technology experiences and engage students in the, uh, I call it the psychomotor domain, people call it the hands-on application, but it's all part of um, the, one of the three domains that we in education have. Um, and, but we, we rarely get students to have that experience of doing things that show them how math applies and how science applies uh, at any large, not in any large degree. So this was his idea that it would be available to the uh, schools in the immediate region. And um, we could put it in as, as uh, with our Pitsco products and possibly then it evolved into us naming it uh, with the idea shop uh, discussions that, that transpired thanks to Matt and others. And then it became the Pitsco idea shop from all of those discussions and all that evolution of things. And it has, it has become more than I think I would have assumed when we began, it's, but it's really exciting. And, and Sean, I know from your perspective as um, your role at the university, you were a major player in the entire Block 22 project, but let's talk about your perspective and your role in making um, the idea shop happen. And, and what, what would you say is, was the objective? What was the goal? Well, you know, we, we talk a lot about the notion of uh, the foundry, uh, which is the, of course, the 18,000 square feet that are on the east side, first floor of the east side uh, two buildings. Um, that really was, the focus there was to build this entrepreneurial ecosystem. And, and, a, and a big piece of that as we started talking through what that could look like, you know, we thought about, obviously, you have the co-working and you have, uh, we have business tenants that would be complementary to the services that our business uh, support folks offer, as well as our economic development activities. Uh, and then, but then as we started talking more about it, we, we had seen uh, some examples of maker spaces and some places they call them maker spaces, some places hacker maker spaces, but uh, areas where someone who has an idea can uh, be able to see that through uh, with equipment they otherwise may not have access to. And so when we really, when we really started talking about it was this notion of if we want to have a full sort of spectrum of support for entrepreneurs and innovators, we need to have some equipment there that could help particularly on the prototyping side of things. And so uh, really that was the initial notion. And then as we talked about who might be a good partner for that, and we were thinking about on the fundraising side of it, uh, it was a natural thing as Dr. Scott and I were talking about it, that we have this exemplary company that works in this space that was started from in Pittsburgh uh, by uh, by Harvey, obviously, and uh, we thought, well, this is could be a great synergy, and and really, I will say that has helped to guide us now, and uh, and the evolution of that space because I think initially we probably were thinking more in terms of, okay, our our two primary focuses would be on PSU students and then on the community. Well, what what the partnership with Pitsco has helped us to do is really envision that now the top of that sort of list of customers or, or potential members or engagement is going to be in the K through 12, particularly that 6th through 12th grade space. 
And it really helped us to start form even the way that we look at this notion of how do you create a culture of innovation and entrepreneurship? You can't do it just when that student gets to college. And so that really then became, okay, well now we flipped this thing and now it's the K through 12 student. And then probably number two would be community members who, who don't have access to these kind of things. And then number three would be university students because as we got to thinking about more, those students are in technology for the university. They have a 300,000 square foot makerspace in the Kansas yeah. Technology Center. Yeah. And so really the college students that we'll be reaching out to a lot, I believe are going to be ones that otherwise are probably in art or business or those sorts of areas that are in technology. And so um, we're really hopeful that now what we've done is engage future gorillas in the K-12 space, but then also be able to still do this thing. If someone has the back of a napkin idea, we help them to make it a reality. And Matt, I wanted to get uh, your perspective from your role at Pitsco. How do you take these somewhat broad, big dreams and ideas that are relatively new to a community like ours, how do you take that and turn it into a reality and make this thing fly? And how do you decide what should go in there? And um, just kind of talk about the execution and, and the details of how it came together. Yeah, you bet. And so, you know, this project's just another prime example of the great synergy and working relationship that's existed for many years between PSU and Pitsco. And so when, when this opportunity, you know, came about and uh, I had the opportunity to, to be part of it, I was excited just to see where we could go because I, you know, read about maker spaces uh, across the country. I had an opportunity to visit one in Baltimore, Maryland, probably five or six years ago. And I was blown away by what they were making available to their community in, in the Baltimore area. And I thought, you know what, this complete revitalization of Pittsburgh with what we're doing with the Block 22 project for the Pittsco Idea Shop to be one of the catalysts for that was really exciting. And so, um, you know, we started to sit down and Sean and I met multiple times to talk through kind of the overall vision and objectives. And we just started to tweak things based on where we felt like the overall needs would be. And so as Sean mentioned, uh, you know, the initial target was college students and, and then adult community members, but we really felt like, you know, what, what would really resonate would be middle school and high school students being able to come in and be actively engaged. And that made perfect sense also as a recruitment tool and the fact of, you know, we want to keep kids in our community. We want the best and brightest to stay right here in Crawford County. And so if we can capture them and show them that, hey, we have this resource available for you at the idea shop, then that links directly to PSU. And if you wanted to go out to the tech center and continue what you were doing at the idea shop. And so really it was just a progression of discussions, Brett, when it came to, you know, what are the overall arching goals that we have in front of us, the objectives we want, and then what does that look like in terms of actually reaching the community? And, you know, the goal here is to turn each student's vision and dream into reality in Pittsburgh. And so that's really, the, those were the guiding questions that we would pose when we make our decisions is how do we make sure that it's going to speak to the middle school and the high school students that want to come in and, and we want to capture them and keep them here in Pittsburgh? You know, um, I think this might be a good, a good moment to take a little bit of a step back. And this is for Harvey. Um, for those that don't know about Pitsco's evolution and even the the um, the foundations of, of why Pitsco was started and what your vision was on that. I think that's important because I think it it connects pretty, connects pretty well here with what we're trying to do with this. And it seems like a great 
evolution into from the foundation of Pitsco to now being involved in this with us. So if, if you wouldn't mind, talk a little bit about your, why you started Pitsco and, and what was the purpose? Uh, well, the Pitsco was, began by two other teachers that were very creative coming to me when I was working on my master's degree. I came here from Oklahoma, had a bachelor's, had taught school for four years, came here because of the program at Pitt State. I'd heard so much about it. And I just came for one year. That was the plan. I told my wife we had a two-year-old. And so <clears throat> to these two guys found out from my major professor that I had a minor in English. And for a guy who was in industrial education at the time, that was not common. But these guys came to me to write a book. And so as a result of that, those meetings, one night I said, guys, I've got these three chapters I've written. It was a draft. I said, <clears throat> this is going to go out and these, these teachers are not going to have supplies. And I said, why don't we start a company? And they go, oh, that's a great idea. So we each put in 50 bucks to start the company. And back then, that, for me, and I was going to school, and <laughs> grad assistant, you know, my wife was working and we didn't have anything. And so what happened was um, we just did that at night. And then one of the guys' his parents became very ill. He left. We bought his little third. And then two years later, within the first four years, Sharon and I owned the company. And, and that began when we began to start doing uh, major, I guess, investments in product ideas, adding it to those catalogs. But the ideas in many cases came from teachers' ideas. When I was at a convention, they would come to me and they would say, you know, I've got this great idea. And so it's a it was applying the psychomotor domain with the technology that was existing at the time. And then that began to evolve as the computer became a part of it, a part of those teachers' utilizations. And we developed some massive programs at one era for about 17 or 18 years. We had labs we would go out and install that had our own environment, had all of our own curriculum. It's all our software. So it evolved beyond my ever dreaming of what it would become. And it, <clears throat> it has continued because we have great people like Matt who really are doing the, the legwork of ensuring that we continue this vision of the company. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that, that does. I mean, I guess one, one little follow-up I would say is, um, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about is this notion of what's your why, you know, that I, I kind of, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, Simon Sinek, I think his name, that sort of notion, uh, that, that at the end of the day, what matters the most is the why. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I guess if you were like, sum up the why, so when you think I sort of like, the, this was, there's an incredible story about the, how you, how it got started, the why, what, what is your why? Well, it was to change education. Our whole vision statement has been to lead education that positively affects learners. And so our whole <clears throat> goal, my whole goal, and, I, and the company's goal has been to ensure that we have that third dimension, that third rail of education beyond the cognitive domain, beyond the affective domain, the psychomotor domain, and let's get all those three together. And, and that has been purchased. Now, STEM has come, has come along in the last few years. And I would say we've been the leader in that field because STEM embodies the whole concept we have for the science, the technology, the engineering and math. It's a four-pronged four thinking, uh, educational process concept compared to our original just taking the basic three. 
So we've embodied that within our all of our curriculum development, and it's been very successful for us. That's wonderful. So Matt, when, when you think about this process that we've, I mean, you and I have now been working pretty closely together for on this, I don't know, what, three, four years, um, which is wild to think about that, actually. But uh, uh, I mean, you were, you were obviously instrumental in helping you and your team and others at Pitsco, like in helping to drive, whether it was the types of equipment that we were going to purchase and all, all of that. I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about how you think. So Harvey's talking about the why of Pitsco. How did the, that why really integrate into the idea shop and drive a lot of uh, the, our development in that regard? Well, it, it's very exciting when I think about <clears throat> what the Pitsco idea shop can mean to the next Harvey Dean uh, here in Crawford County. That, that's, that to me is really the rallying cry that I have kept during this entire project is, you know, there are Harvey Deans all over, not just the U.S., but across the globe, who what they need is access. They need an opportunity. They need to realize that this is available to me. You know, one of the statistics that we talk about all over the country when we're working with business and industry and with K-12 school leaders is the fact that there are two and a half million unfilled STEM jobs in the United States today. And why are they unfilled? It's because there are too many students who in elementary and middle school start to close the door and, and say, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. I don't understand technology. So I could never get a job in that field. And so the Pisco Idea Shop is a microcosm of our vision right here in the community of saying, this is how we tackle the problem. We give you access, we, we give you an opportunity to come in and to dream and to turn that dream into a reality. And what's great, Sean, is you talked earlier about the fact that this is uh, fastened on or hooked on to all the entrepreneurial opportunities that are in Block 22. You know, the idea here is that we'll have a middle school student or high school student who falls in love with their time at the idea shop, who then branches that out into a business that they begin which then we hope that they base here in Pittsburgh and continue to flourish. And so, you know, that's really been the driving force for me in, in the sense of, I look at the parallel. 50 years ago, Harvey came to, to Pitt State to work on his master's and now 50 years worth of blood, sweat and tears by Harvey and Sharon in terms of spending their time here and, and, and in the community and investing this is an opportunity to create another 50 year story in Pittsburgh. And may I jump in for one second? Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that we do each year is we have a number that's kept in terms of the number of students stir served. And by the way, it's done by the accounting department, which they're always very accurate. And I could make, I could make that number a lot bigger just by adding some estimation to that. <laughs> but they don't let me do that. But <clears throat> so we, we, we know each year how many students, I'm talking about new students this year have used the products that we've shipped. And Matt, do you know what the number is this year? It's probably much less, but it's been running about three, three million. Yeah, for the, for the past about eight years that we've been averaged right at three million students per year utilizing new Pitsco products and curriculum worldwide. And those are new wow. students. Those are new students. So we don't know how many uh, of those kids are going to go back to another class in the, in the eighth grade or say the ninth grade or 10th grade or maybe 
for several years because I was one of those students who did that. I only started the ninth grade, but we didn't have middle schools back then, but we, we started at the ninth grade and I had four years of shop and drafting in high school. But now all of that is so computerized and we have so many uh, products that uh, I, can't, I can't even imagine me learning how to use those products that the seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth graders are buying and being utilized today in the technology world. Sorry, I took so much time. Well, well that's not, no, that's exactly what we want to be talking about here. I mean, I, I actually think that one of the, something that this highlights and something that I'm very passionate about on the entrepreneur, the reason why I'm passionate about the entrepreneurial side of things is because what Matt said about the notion of opportunity and access, but it's also because just as you've just described, is that there's there's a nobility to business, and I think a lot of times uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of business people who aren't noble. Okay, and we can we can that's a different story, but there's a nobility to business, and the role that business can play in solving problems and challenges. And um, and I think what you are talking about here is that we recognize that there's there you recognize that there was a a problem that needed to be addressed. And that was in the case of, in this case, it was the fact there are student learners who aren't learning as well because they're more psychomotor learners than, than others. And no one was really, really focusing on that. And mm -hmm. this isn't to discount the role that a government agency or whatever might play. But the truth is, is that what you've demonstrated is that a free, in a free enterprise way, Mm -hmm. that using a, your entrepreneurialism to start something that's solved and addresses societal challenge. And I think that that really needs to be highlighted uh, probably more because I think that too often people get caught up in this notion of, oh, business is just about profit or making money and, and those sorts of things when, when right. actually it's, it's, it's not. At least not forever for people like you. <laughs> right. Um. So let's take a step inside the idea shop. What, what's in there? What can students expect to see what type, what type of equipment is in there? And maybe give a little bit of a, I know you can't list everything because there's a lot in there, but maybe just what are some of the highlights that jump out and talk a little bit about how the, the process, um, I guess, how, how you decided what would be in there, what equipment we would have in the idea shop. Well, I'll okay. jump in on that particular topic. So one of our early on meetings, um, we, we came across a, an online resource that talked about how to, how to start a Makerspace 101. And so we really used that as our initial guide. And so it was one of these uh, locations in the U.S. that had started uh, an adult Makerspace, and they had a full list of all the various equipment that they had available. So we looked at that and then we started looking at what would be appropriate uh, to be here in the Epitsco Idea Shop. And one thing that really bubbled to the top quickly is we started having conversations about the continuum, the continuum of the Pitsco Idea Shop to PSU. And so we realized that we didn't, we didn't wanna have redundancy between the Idea Shop and something you could already do at the Pitt State campus. We really wanted it to be something that was unique at the Idea Shop that made sense for middle school, high school, and you know, adult learners as well. So we had to factor in that continuum, factored in the safety component as well. We had to make sure that it was something we felt like middle school students with the right amount of supervision and training could effectively use and safely use. Um, and, and, and of course, 
you know, those are the kind of the safety protocols, but the bigger picture was also what was going to be engaging to the students. And so what's exciting about it is that in our conversations, it evolved out into two separate spaces. At one point in time, it was all going to be in one closed room. But what we became aware of is that we really needed to spread them into two spaces. And so the Pittsburgh Idea Shop now has what we're calling the garage, which is no surprise by that name. That's where all the dirty work occurs. So all your cutting and sanding and finishing type work all occurs in the garage space. And then we have the digital studio in a completely other separate area of the idea shop where you can come in and do a lot of computer-based work. You can do 3D printing, what you'd call more of the clean work that would be occurring. And so it's a whole multitude of opportunities in terms of what students could come in whether they want to uh, cut and finish wood, they want to do 3D printing, they want to do laser engraving, they want to heat transfer onto t-shirts, they want to come in and use very high-powered CAD software to be able to do design work. Um, I mean, you name it, it's a powerhouse of what's available for somebody to walk in, and it's a you know, you'd be hard pressed to find that one person who has like the, the ultimate garage setup. Uh, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who'd have all of these tools anywhere close to it in, in their capacity. And Sean, obviously you're, you're, you lead a team who offices out of block 22. You, you guys have been really in the mix of this and how, you know, I guess to, to piggyback off what Matt said, how did you go about deciding or not deciding and then executing the divide between the two spaces and, and turning one big maker space into two different areas? How did you find the space in Block 22 to make that happen? Well, originally we had a space uh, that we had intended to be used as a um, maybe for more loose co-working space, desk rentals and and that sort of thing. Obviously we have office rentals that that we we have a number of businesses in, but we had this notion of some more loose co-working space where people could could, uh, rent a desk for just theirs or a shared desk or that kind of thing. And so we we had kind of intended for that to be in the space that's right next to the coffee shop and then um, as, as we started working in the sort of the implementation side of, you know, the planning for what the idea shop is going to look like, uh, one thing that as we, as our team and, and, and Matt and his team, we, we identified was, you know, there's going to be a challenge with having this heavier, dirtier equipment with some of the more sensitive digital equipment. Uh, and we realized that we didn't have as much space as we thought we had. And so, um, at that point, we, we really kind of pivoted and, um, and this was after we had already moved into the building. And of course, the idea shop is the, the last piece of the foundry to launch. And, and we can talk about some of the challenges of why that's delayed a little bit, but uh, obviously, uh, but um, we, we, had, we had kind of made the decision to not really sell the, sell the, the uh, desk rent space heavily because we thought we might have to expand the idea shop. And that was something we realized along the way. And so fortunately, 
I didn't want to have a situation wherein uh, we were taking something away, you know, like, so, and, and so instead we did, we have had some desk rental folks in there, but that's because they called and asked us and we've made accommodation, but it was always with the mind toward, we're not going to oversell this space because I don't want it to be seen as we're taking it away if we do have to have the idea shop uh, to, to, to spill over. And so uh, now it's worked out nicely. I think we, we still have probably enough room that we, we are exploring the possibility of doing some loose desk rent uh, over there. Um, but, you know, the truth is we've had so the, the companies that are right now co-working with us, uh, Limelight and Dev Squared in particular, have grown so much that uh, we want to accommodate them first and foremost. And so they've actually then taken up as, as uh, the front of the bank building. And then now we've, we're taking this chunk for the idea shop. Uh, I, I think what you're seeing is that this is the, the demand, the latent demand was there for this kind of a space. And I think that that's one of the most exciting pieces of this is that um, we, it's exciting to not have enough space, frankly, because it, it shows that we built something that, that actually was needed. And so um, it, it'll be exciting to, once we get the students in there and members in there and get that active. Um, but, you know, a lot of it's just adaptation. It's one thing when you are planning something out on a, you know, on a uh, looking at a di architectural diagram or something, and it's a different thing once you're living in the space. And so uh, we really did need the ex expanded space for the idea shop. And I'm, I'm glad that we were able to accommodate that. Harvey, I wanted to ask you something that, uh, to kind of go along with what Sean just mentioned about, I mean, obviously block 22 the construction of it and it, the official opening of it uh, was a couple of years ago. And yet, you know, we're just at this point now being able to open the idea shop. And I, I think as we try to make these big changes in the community, we were learning that these things take time, right? You, sometimes it just takes longer than you think it's going to. Um, but in the end, it's worth it. And I wanted to just kind of get your, your thoughts on that concept as someone who has built this global business uh, this this idea that yeah it's not going to happen overnight and it's going to take patience and and perseverance to make it go. Yeah, I I think all of us have those experiences in our lives. We we can have it as <clears throat> closely as if we we're married. We can have that process takes a lot of time and it is never finished in some respects. And there are other things in life that are the same way. One of the things I remember uh, that's correlatable to me is the uh, we have sold a kit which started out from 1972 or three. We sell a kit called a dragster kit. And in, in, in that box is a block of wood <clears throat> and it's 12 inches long, has a hole drill in the back. And it has sometimes, a, if you want the kit that has a prototype piece, that's a piece of styrofoam in there. It's a good piece of thick styrofoam. Anyhow, we now continue to sell literally tens of thousands of those kits per year. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the reason I bring that up is because this 50-year time of Pitsco for our next coming up year is one of the, uh, on the cover of our catalog in here, we're making our 50 year, 50th year. Anyhow, one of the things that I guess an example of that is when we tried that idea, we had no idea that it was going to be successful. But we kept, and then one thing happened, and I predict one thing happens, or maybe there's two or three, but that one thing, for example, 
professor in Mississippi, took that idea when he saw it at a convention. I showed it to him. This would have been 1973 or 74 when we were just, just surviving. He took it and said, that would be a good state competition. And he says, I know a bunch of teachers in, in the state of Mississippi. And, and he started that competition in Mississippi. And we started selling those kits like crazy in Mississippi. Now, where would you think you would sell kits? You wouldn't think you'd sell anything in Mississippi, <laughs> you know? And there, all of a sudden it became the, the glue that began to serve what is now our number one seller, to my knowledge, every year. Now I haven't looked at last year's, this year's sales product. Well, it probably will still be the same, but we sell literally tens of thousands of those kits every year. and. That goes back 50 years, guys, but it, it was one of those breaks in life that happens in a company. It can happen in a marriage. It can happen in lots of things, but it begins to put the glue together for what can be and what then becomes, and that's the way I feel about the idea shop. The glue is going to happen. Is it going to be the kids coming in from schools in the districts? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? It's going to be something. And it's going to be very important for our community. And it'll be there for many, many years. Uh, long after I'm gone, it'll be there. <laughs> and a lot of people use it. So I think it is just a long story. So it takes so much time. But it, you just have to trust the idea and hope that the guy from Mississippi, and I can't remember his name, they're wanting to put a picture of me when I was 50, 50 years ago at the state competition in Mississippi. And <laughs> I'm a tall, slender guy with white buck shoes on. <laughs> a long time ago, buck white. I'm sorry to take so long. No, no. Hey, Sean, I think to add to that, you know, the, the part I took away from Harvey's story there is, and I think, and it connects right to the whole vision of the foundry and Block 22 is what it means to be entrepreneurial. And, and, you know, Harvey's point about you look for that one moment, that one break that needs to happen to get you that that's that tipping point, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I think to me, that's that's what defines an entrepreneur is that they realize that they're just one break away from having something really big. You know, Harvey uses the phrase at Pitsco all the time about it was a lot bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think Harvey has learned over the years that that's what you're always looking for is that when you have this kernel of an idea and you begin to actualize it, that it's going to be a bumpy ride at the beginning until you hit that one thing that's a bigger deal than you realized it was going to be. Well, yeah, and I think that I think that's a good point because I think that what what ends up happening a lot of times, you know, with successful entrepreneurial stories you usually don't hear about the times that things didn't work. Right. That's and, right. That's right. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I have, one of the things that I have uh, uh, always admired about the entrepreneurial spirit uh, and, and tried to, even though obviously I'm doing it within the confines of an institutional environment. Right. I mean, so, but uh, I, I, I think one of the things I've always admired about it is this sort of sense of you, there's a, there's usually, it's usually coupled with grittiness and determination and, and, and this sense of a willingness to risk, uh, even though if it's calculated, even though, but that knowing that you're going to fail sometimes, sometimes it's not going to work out. But I know so many entrepreneurs that I've talked to, they're successful, talk about, well, yeah, for the one idea that worked, there were nine that, that didn't. Right, right. And uh, that persistence aspect. And I think 
you know, it's also, I want to note too, in your story, Harvey, talking about the, 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 the dragster uh, is it's, it's fitting then that that's how we're launching. Is with the CO2 dragster challenge because uh, that's fitting, you know, again, all these things of, you know, entering your 50th, the 50th year of Pitsco, the launch of the idea shop with the product that launched Pitsco in a lot of respects. And I think that's kind of, yeah, that's it. It's really point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a really good way to look at that. That's a cool cool synergy. Well, there's also, I think the notion that, you know, uh, when you said this notion about the one thing, I mean, I think you said that that can be happening a lot of ways, a marriage and also in a community. I think that's something that we've seen the last 10 years in Pittsburgh is I really do believe we've been in the midst of this kind of Renaissance in Pittsburgh. And I think, some of that is that matter of like, it's, it's, it's having people who are willing to meet and seize a moment yeah. with the right ideas. And I think that that's what we've, we've seen. And, yeah. and what my hope is with the idea shop is that it's one more piece of this apparatus that is helping folks who otherwise may not ever have back to Matt, your point earlier about the, the, the access issue, right. Yeah. Is it's, it's, it's really based on this notion that there are, that the zip code should not determine your destiny and that there are kids in, in, in this area of Kansas, which is the poorest area of Kansas, who have good ideas, who have talent, who have capabilities, and they don't necessarily have maybe the people around them or the structures around them to help to pull that out and for them to have hope that they and, and, and to their dreams could be come to fruition too. And so that's where that's one of the things I'm very passionate about and why I'm so excited about about this and, and what the idea shop could do uh, in that regard. And, you know, not on, as people who have spent a lot of time in this community and, and who continue to push to try to make it better, um, and Harvey, I'll start with you on this. What is, give me your perspective on Pittsburgh. What, what do you think of this current time we're in where we do see these big projects like a Block 22 or, you know, several new restaurants in town or several new small businesses? What's your sense on the landscape here in our community? Well, I, th- I think I, I've correlated it to um, communities that I, I know that are not Pittsburgh. And what I've seen is in, in Pittsburgh, you got, like you said, and like uh, has been said is, there's a cadre of entrepreneurs going on. How about what, what's being done to the old um, um, printing company building? It wasn't originally yeah. printing, but it, what's going on there? That's just amazing that that guy came to town he redid that train center, whatever that's called. I've been there several times. I know him. He's a nice guy. Can't call his name right now. Larry Fields. Yeah. And the yeah. Crystal Depot. Yeah. Yeah. He did that. He's doing the other building, the old uh, printing company building. And so you got, you got a new entrepreneur in town. You got an old entrepreneur sitting here. We've got some other old entrepreneurs, but out of that place there that you have, I'm well, look at the lady that uh, you just mentioned who's, who's expanded. And she used to work for us, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's, a, there's a long list of very successful people who started. Used to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Robin Musa is another one. Yeah. She did space down there at one time. But anyhow, so, and, and it's all good. I, you know, anytime anybody, anyone has come to me and or they've left and they're going to start their own business or whatever, I don't care. I've always said, go for the gold. Just go for the gold look for that one thing that's going to make it. And, and, you know, many of them know my story of the, the CO2 dragster. Uh, so anyhow, I don't know if I answered your question, but I do believe that the community has 
some cool things going on with people that are willing to take a risk. The coffee shops, then two or three new coffee shops. My gosh, that's really nice. And I love coffee. So as you guys can tell, I've been drinking coffee. <laughs> and so anyhow, I just trust the uh, I just trust the community spirit. I think the leadership of our Chamber of Commerce, we're very fortunate to have great leadership there too. And that's been around for several years now. He's been here and an excellent job and his people that do such cool things. Uh, paint the town red, you know, this a couple of weeks ago. That's really cool. Didn't see as much involvement maybe this time, but I know why. I mean, it's just a tough year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of cut back on things when these things happen. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, th- those are my thoughts on it. I'll stop talking. Matt, what about you? What's your take on Pittsburgh? Well, I'm, I'm not native here, just like Harvey. Uh, similar story in the fact of uh, came to PSU as a student and uh, never left. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's been now close to 30 years for me here in Pittsburgh. And so it is amazing to take a look at the transformation of the community. And I think the points that we touched on, you know, a, a lot of it boils down ultimately to courage and fear. And we have a community, I feel like a community uh, vibe at this point in time. And the fact that we're not driven by fear, that we're, we're willing to take courageous moves. And I think Block 22 is a great example of that. And people who are willing to, to reach out and start a new business and invest in the Pittsburgh community to say this can be successful here. And that, you know, we, we can see what the next chapter of the Pittsburgh community looks like. And so that's really when I take a look at it, that's what I think is occurring. You know, obviously, Pittsgo, we're in the education business. I had experiences, um, you know, visiting local schools when I was in college, going and doing my observation classes and things. And, and kudos to the, the local administrators in terms of what they've done for their districts. I feel like the education experience especially in terms of safe learning environments and making sure that we're catering to the needs of the students who are coming to school. I feel like we've raised the bar in terms of what the schools are offering to our students now in the last 15 to 20 years uh, compared to what I first experienced when I came into the Pittsburgh community. And so I, I feel like, you know, when you raise the, the bar when you're on your education ex, uh, expectations and you deliver a quality experience to the students, that ultimately raises all of the ships in the community in the sense that that has a trickle down effect for your businesses and the future of the community because you're investing in the next generation. And I feel like we're starting to reap that investment now to where we see that we have these, these folks who are not risk averse. You know, they're courageous and willing to step out and they're willing to commit here in Pittsburgh as opposed to leave and go commit somewhere else. Can I speak to that? May I speak to that? Please. Okay. Uh, And this goes back to my point, but it also links to what Matt was saying. One of the things, Matt came to Pittsburgh to sell me something two years before he came to work at Pittsco. Now, what did I see? I saw a young entrepreneur saying, hey, I've got an idea. Can you help us sell this product? And I said, yes. Now, I also said, if you're ever looking for a job, come back. Essentially, two years later, wasn't it, Matt? About two years. That's right. Yeah, he came back and applied for a job. Now, what did I see in him? I saw an entrepreneur. 
What do you do with an entrepreneur? You want them on your team. You want ideas. You need ideas. You And then and he's an educator and the product he had was an educational product. So we have that kind of uh, creativity throughout our community. We just have to catch it when it comes by, you know, for, mm-hmm. add to your team. And here it is how many years later. And uh, Matt's been here, well, how long, Matt? 15 or more years. Yeah, 22 now. Yeah, give or take a few. <laughs> yeah. 15 or more, definitely more. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, and I think, well, and actually, the, the, I think kind of one of the ideas that we're talking around here is, is uh, the importance of that, of keeping talent here. And I think that, you know, it's one of the things that for, for so long, towns like, like Pittsburgh, and, and there's a lot of places like Pittsburgh, and that's, that's part of the reason why we, we tell these, we want to tell these stories on this podcast is, um, that, that have for too long, those towns have essentially told their best and the brightest, you need to go somewhere else to be successful. You need to go to a city. You need to do those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, one of the things that I've observed in the last 10 years, uh, having the pleasure to be working in the role that I have is that I've, I've seen even in that 10 year span, more talented people, more of the leaders choosing to stay. And, and I think some of that has to do with when you have that momentum and you have that sense of like, that there is a, there is a hopefulness that you actually have a sense of purpose in your, what you're doing. It, all of a sudden, the notion of just going to go make more money isn't as attractive because you realize that there's these va- other value. Uh, and so I, I've been, I think that you've, you've shown that Harvey with, with your company and, and the kind of folks that you've managed to, to, to keep in this circle and keep here. Uh, I think, I think a significant piece of that, and I guess Matt, you could talk to it some is as an employee is, is that it's about more than just the job for your company. It's, it's, uh, there's a purpose to what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and and nobody could speak better to it than Harvey in the sense of the purpose of why the company was founded. But I mean, without a doubt, having the opportunity to meet Harvey when I rolled through here 23, 24 years ago and met Harvey for the first time. It was, it was more than just, hey, this would be a neat place to work because they do education stuff. It was because I could see who Harvey Dean was as the man and, and, and who he, what he stood for in terms of the company. And so, you know, that's absolutely a major factor in, in terms of culture. You know, and, and you know, we're talking about the culture of, of Pitsco, but I think the bigger piece of this is the culture of Pittsburgh yeah. and the fact of, you know, it's, there's so, I mean, I think I've seen the statistics from the College of Ed at PSU is that they would have a hundred percent placement rate if it weren't for the fact that I think 80% of all College of Ed graduates want to teach within 60 miles of Pittsburgh. And so, you know, people are drawn to this area. There's, there's the hometown feel of it. It's big enough to offer what we all feel like we need, but you, you can avoid all the big town things that I think a lot of us don't want to, to deal with. And yeah. so, you know, continuing to invest in, in our culture as a community, but, and then you know, obviously here in the microcosm would be the Pitsco culture. I mean, that, that's a big deal. You know, it, it's, it's not just about the money to be made and all of that and promotions and moving up the ladder, but it's also about raising a family and what it means to be connected uh, in a community. Can, can, can I tell one more story? You can tell as many stories as you want, Harvey. <laughs> well, this, this one, I don't even think Matt knows about this, maybe. <clears throat> I was on a flight. We had a little company in Canada I bought uh, in Panoka, 
Canada, which is um, south of Edmonton and north of uh, Calgary. I called it Cal <laughs> Calgary. Calgary. <laughs> but we flew uh, on the flight out. I got in the wrong seat on the plane. Actually, out of uh, it was out of uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis. I flew to Minneapolis, and then I was flying over to uh, Edmonton. And I, on the flight, I got in the wrong seat. Didn't know it. I sat down by a young man. It was a big-bodied plane, and so before you know, we got there. I said to, you know, introduce myself earlier. And then I began talking to him, trying to get a, because he's a quiet guy. So I said something about what he did. He said, uh, I, I work in New York City. I'm a, and he's a, he was kind of a guru on one of the big um, shows at the time. It was a national show syndicated. And uh, <clears throat> he, he was uh, an editor of the program. And I said, oh, and he was young. He was very young. And so we get into to, uh, Edmonton and I, by the way, it was 40 below zero. <laughs> At oh, least that's, <laughs> what I, that's what I said. And so anyhow, that was the extent of it, except like, so I wished him well. And I go to my meeting, uh, staying, uh, going down to Panoka for two nights came back to the airport, get in the waiting area, and there he is, Kevin. So I said, Kevin, how'd your meeting go? He said, well, they're really good. He says, I think I can, there's a job I probably am going to take. I said, okay. Well, let me tell you, Kevin, if it doesn't work out, would you give me a call? Here's my card. Two, three years later, I don't remember how long it was, get a call. It's Kevin. He said, hey, you remember reading me? I said, sure. Do. He said, well, I'm looking for a job again, and I'm thinking I might like to move to Kansas if you have a job. I said, well, come on out, spend the weekend with us. And I had him stay at our house. Well, my wife, they get crazy. But, you know, this kid came to work for us. Uh, was he here when you were here, Matt, or he left, I think, before you became working? No, I don't, I don't believe so. And so, anyhow, Kevin came and probably worked for, I would guess, five, seven years maybe before Matt got here. And then he got married and left town. That's what happens sometimes. But but the point was not the story as much it is, is as it is. I think when you get a sense that somebody's the right person for the job, it may be two or three years before they get back. But you kind of, as a leader of whatever it is, you need to kind of sense the person and, and try to feel that there's a, there's a symbiosis, I guess I would say, between you guys. Now, I didn't work with him. But he worked in, and kind of ran our video department over there, and he was really, really good. He, and he went on back to Atlanta. He got married. He's working in Atlanta now. I haven't seen him, but that's where he went. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll hear this and say, "Well, yeah, maybe talking come, about come. me." <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's shift a, a second here because I, I think um, uh, my transition to the discussion about uh, how we're operating from a COVID standpoint. So, like, I would say that one of the things I, I, I first wanted to say though about, we talk about this a lot, is one of the positives that could come out of the situation that we're currently in with COVID and with the, with the pandemic is that I think that it's definitely changed the way we all work. And I think that it's made us start to question whether or not we should have even been working the way, or we had to have to work the way we were before. And I think that, I mean, just like right now, I'm obviously doing this from my attic office and, 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 and stuff. Um, 
I think that could be an opportunity for places like Pittsburgh. So the stories that you just are telling, Harvey, I think that there's probably a lot of folks who might have come here interested in a job, interested in saying, uh, but they they may it may not be the right job at the right time or at the time, and they may not have felt like it was the right quality of life or right kind of uh, things that here that, that that they wanted. But I think what you're seeing now is that there are a lot of people who would love to be here. And Matt, you mentioned this notion of of uh, the the 100% placement if they didn't if they were willing to go outside. Well, we could have an opportunity, I think, now that people, because of the remote work shift, where there could be people who could choose a place like Pittsburgh and work for a company that's in Kansas City or that's in Houston or Atlanta or those kind of things. And, I, and that's one of the things that I'm hopeful about that could come out of this on the other side is that we kind of started to question the ways in which we thought you had to work. And maybe now you don't have to be in an office in that one building. And that could be really good for places like Pittsburgh. So that was, I wanted to, I wanted to point that out actually. Uh, we were hopeful about that. You know, I love that idea. And I think it's a great idea. I think you ought to come up with a unique name for that process so that you, you brand it. Hmm. I'm just thinking, just thinking that way. Matt knows I don't mind speaking my mind about ideas. <laughs> no, uh, me either. I like that. Yeah. So, uh, but let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the operational. And I mean, obviously we're delayed. We've been delayed uh, on the launch uh, of the idea shop uh, because of the COVID situation. And, and, and went, cause we were actually set for a launch in April. Uh, that was the plan. Uh, but we didn't get to do that because of the pandemic. Uh, we now are, are, are looking at, we're launching on November 6th, uh, doing the CO2 car challenge. Uh, and uh, if you haven't signed up and you want to, we still have some slots. But uh, Matt, why don't, why don't you talk a little bit about how we've, you know, how we're managing through this, uh, through the through the pandemic and, and operating. Uh, and then also, if you want to talk a little about Bill's role in this too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, there's definitely a, a silver lining here in terms of what's transpired in terms of COVID. Uh, I think the, the rollout process that we're now utilizing with a single event being the focus of the initial grand opening of, of the idea shop is, is absolutely the, was the right approach to take. And, and granted, we'd love to say here uh, that, you know, hey, that it was great strategy on, part, on our parts to come up across that. But I think we all realize we probably stumbled across it because of COVID. Right. But the, the, the point is, um, you know, what we're doing is focusing on the CO2 dragster event to where if a student signs up, they can come in, they reserve time in the idea shop. And the beauty is we're, we're able to do an online registration process so we can make sure that we minimize the amount of students in the idea shop because that's critical at this point in time is to make sure we're not getting too many bodies in an enclosed space. And so they come in and they work on their dragster and get ready for that November 6th event. And so, you know, shout out to Kansas Manufacturing Solutions as the, the premier sponsor there for being willing to pay for not only the dragster kits, but also for the time slots in the idea shop uh, for, the, for that. And so I think that model is going to work really well as we continue to open this up for the community. You know, once COVID is passed and people can begin gathering again inside, indoors, we will have had several of these events under our belt and really be able to hit the ground running with the idea shop saying, okay, come on in. We, we can have multiple people in the idea shop working in the garage area, in the digital studio area, all at the same time. 
But the beauty of this COVID time is it's really given us a soft launch opportunity to test out, uh, you know, obviously employment and who's in there supervising is really critical. I think, Sean, you mentioned uh, Bill Holden. So Bill Holden is a longtime Pitsco employee. Uh, he makes me look like a youngster when it comes to my number of years at Pitsco. He probably remembers Kevin. That's right. Uh, he was probably here before Kevin arrived, actually. And so, you know, Bill is... Yeah, Bill is a 30-plus year uh, employee at Pitsco, uh, former physics teacher uh, at Brett's alma mater, uh, Northeast. And so, um, but, you know, he's been instrumental. I think we can all say that that's a major understatement here. And the fact oh, that the Pitsco Idea Shop would not be open right now if it were not for Bill's guidance. And so, no uh, you know, we tapped into his background. He's, he's one of those guys that's... Uh, a jack of all trades. And so we felt like that's the kind of person you need to open an idea shop because there's so many different types of equipment. You have to be willing to jump in and learn those items and, and, and realize that it's just the overall learning experience. And so um, kudos to Bill Holden in terms of, of really being instrumental in getting everything organized and set up and ready. And, you know, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but we've successfully had students in the facility uh, in the last several weeks. Uh, working, cutting out their dragsters, sanding their dragsters. Uh, and so not only has Bill helped oversee that, but he also helped the training and the onboarding of the student employees who are working there as well. Yeah, and I'll say this is this is a great opportunity to say thank you to, to Harvey and, and to Pitsco for, for, for Bill, because I think, I mean, this is a really unique arrangement for us to, I mean, we're in a position where we needed a, a senior level sort of knowledge and skills to get this thing off the ground. Uh, we couldn't afford to, to go out and hire a full-time person uh, at Oddmont Caliber. And uh, the, the unique approach that we've taken here, wherein Bill can work 20 hours a week uh, as a consultant sort of arrangement in our, in our, embedded in our team has been a game changer for us. Uh, like I said, I think we were, on our, we were on our way to supposedly opening in April, but frankly, I don't know that we could have uh, at the level that we're opening now uh, because we needed Bill and we needed him to help us in the ways that Matt's talking about. And so thank you for, for allowing and being willing to do that kind of a unique approach with us. Great. Glad to do it. Very much appreciate it. So, um, well, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, just finally here about the details, uh, Matt, you, you kind of alluded to some of it, but, uh, uh you can find all the information on, uh, the Pitsco idea shop.com, uh, which is the, uh, the, the URL for, uh, for the Pitsco Idea Shop, but uh, November 6th is the launch event. Uh, we're hoping to have, uh, um, we're going to have a, a really cool race between uh, Harvey and Dr. Scott, uh, President Scott. Uh, they're going to get to launch uh, their own cars there. That'll be the way that we really kick things off. Uh, we're hopeful that we'll have uh, possibly the governor and Secretary Toland here to to help us uh, to launch to launch it. And uh, we do still have spots available for, for folks out there, the uh, students uh, in sixth through 12th grade who are interested. Uh, you can sign up online uh, and uh, be part of this uh, really, what I think is gonna be a historic sort of event as we launch uh, the idea shop. Um, have I missed any details that we need to make sure we hit? I think there is one critical piece we need to mention here, and that is for Dr. Scott, in case uh, he happens to listen to the podcast or gets word of the podcast, is his dragsters being built at Pitsco, just like Harvey's is. And so I'm just saying, 
the the, the odds may be stacked against Dr. Oh. on race day. I just want to put that out there. Oh man. Now I'm hoping he, I always wanted to listen to the podcast. I don't know if I wanted to listen to that though. I tell him his is made out of oak and mine's made out of balsam. <laughs> oh that's great no i appreciate you guys very much thank you and appreciate you spending some time uh, on around the block with us thank you yes, for having absolutely. Us. Absolutely. great thank, thank you so much thank Thanks. you guys you guys have a good day